Good morning, Sunrise. Welcome to church on this beautiful spring day. It is going to prove to be what we've been waiting for, I think. The sunshine and the 70-ish degrees. So praise God. We're going to spend some time outside today, right? So welcome to worship. Welcome to our online guests worshiping with us too. Um, So good to be with you. We're going to actually today introduce a new, brand new song to you guys. Um, It's actually fairly new. It's not just new to us, but it's pretty new. I know I just introduced um, a new song, Grateful, to you guys a few weeks ago, but this song's been on my heart for a while too, so, um, and David loves this one, so you'll be seeing his sticks fly fast during this song. Um, But this song is called Take You At Your Word. It's a song about believing God and believing His Word and the promises that He has in His Word for us, that He is faithful. So, I'm going to teach you guys a song before we start this morning, okay? Um, Sometimes I do that, sometimes I... I don't think I've done that in a while, but what we're going to do is I'm going to teach you guys the verse. I'll have you guys sing it back to me, and then I'll teach you guys the chorus, and then you can sing that back to me. I know the chorus is a little bit high, so if you're not warmed up yet, uh, just shout, okay? So it's... uh, But uh, here we go. So Greg, fill up those words. David, if you can give me some, some rhythm. So here is the verse. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Your way is the only way for me. It's a narrow road that leads to life, but I want to be on it. It's a narrow road, but the mercy is wide, because you're good on your promise. Okay? Pretty simple. Why don't you guys try that with me? Back to the, back to the top. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Your way is the only way for me. It's a narrow road that leads to life, but I want to be on it. It's a narrow road, the mercy is wide, because you're good on your promise. Awesome. Here's the chorus. I'll take you at your word. If you said it, I'll believe it. I've seen how good it works. If you start it, you'll complete it. I'll take you at your word. Okay? Try that with me. Here we go. One, two, three. I'll take you at your word. If you said it, I'll believe it. I've seen how good it works. If you start it, you'll complete it. I'll take you at your word. Okay, you guys are ready? Why don't you guys stand? Let's worship together. a lamp unto my feet. Your way is the only way for me. It's a narrow road 
that leads to life But I want to be on it It's a narrow road, but the mercy's wide Cause you're good at your promise Take you at your word If you said it, I believe it I've seen how good it works Cause you started, you completed I'll take you at your word You spoke and the chaos fell in line I know, cause I've seen it in my life. It's a narrow road that leads to life, but I want to be on it. Oh, it's a narrow road, the tide is high, but you parted the waters. I'll take you at your word. If you said it, I believe. You said it, I believe it. I've seen how good it works. I started, you'll complete it. Take you at your word. Your love will never give up. You said your grace is always enough. You said your heart would never forget or forsake me. You said I'm saved. You call me yours. You said my future's full of your hope. You never fail, so I know that you never fail. You said, you said your love will never give up. You said your grace is always enough. You said your heart will never forget or forsake me. You said you're safe and you call me yours. You said my future is full of your hope. You never fail. So I I'll take you at your word. If you said it, I'll believe it. I've seen how good it works. If you started, you'll complete it. I'll take you at your word. If you said it, I'll believe it. I've seen how good it works. If you
gave your life for mine nailed to the cross you crucified all my sin and shame it was washed by your mercy you are the treasure i find my reason for living so let my life become an offering to the one who is worthy all praise to the lord most high all praise to the one who saved my life all praise to jesus christ my king of heaven my king forever you stormed the gates of my heart the veil in between was torn apart now you hold the keys to the grave Cause you bring things to life And you roll stones away All praise to the Lord most high All praise to the one who saved my life All praise to Jesus Christ My King forever My King forever All praise All praise to the Lord
most high. All praise to the one who saved my life. All praise to Jesus Christ, High King of heaven, my King forever. My King forever. Sing praise, praise the Father. Praise the Father, praise the Son, and praise the Spirit, three in one. Oh, praise Him. Oh, praise Him. Hallelujah. 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 I'd like for us to take a few minutes this morning just to, as a congregation, just enter into a time of prayer. Um, probably as, as many of you this morning, I woke up and I picked up my phone and I looked and there was yet another notification that more people will wake up tomorrow without loved ones because of violence and hatred in the human heart. At the end of this past week, I've been receiving um, notes and information from dear friends through a, sort of a fourth-party channel that live in Northeast India. And right now, probably we don't get much of this over here in the States, but Northeast India is uh, burning down because of ethnic and religious hatred. And a lot of times it's really easy for us just to sort of put those things to the side. But, but the problem is, is that when you have people that have a name and a face that you love that are in those spots, it's no longer an issue that you can ignore. It's people that you love. It's the image of God being denigrated. And I ask myself, Lord, how long? How long when there's, doesn't seem like there's anything that we can do. But I was reminded this morning that while there might not be anything physically that I can do, I can take it to my Father who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so this morning, could we just join together in prayer and pray for the shalom of the Almighty? over the chaos of the world in which we live. Can we do that? So Father, right now I just want to pray and I want to ask that you would just be with each and every one of us. Father, we, we pray that you would bring peace and that you would bring comfort. Lord, we pray that, that you would bring revival both near and far. We pray, Father, um, for, for those who find themselves frustrated and isolated and broken and angry and hurt. Father, we pray that you would bring people into their path that could provide healing. Father, we pray for our dear brothers and sisters that are over in um, Montepore and, and in Fall, Father, that, that are experiencing uh, severe persecution, Lord, and, and, and are subsequently lashing out because of that persecution. Father, we pray for peace and we pray for comfort. We pray for a deep understanding understanding even today, Father, as, 
as your people, as your family at Sunrise Ministries, that we would, as we're surrounded by chaos and hurt, Lord, that we would truly learn what it means to love, Father, as you love. So, Lord, we pray that your will would be done on earth as is in heaven. Father, we pray for the kingdom to come. Father, we pray for peace and comfort and safety, Lord. Even over the lives that are represented here in this space, Father, there's, there's chaos that seems to reign and even in some of our lives. And Lord, we, we pray against that. We pray for peace and against chaos. So, Father, we love you. And we praise you. And we would ask, dear God, that we would see you clearly and be changed by your power and your presence. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
I'm standing in your glory, I'll be glad at yours to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Well done, good and faithful, I live to hear you say, here I am, Lord, send our desire and our prayer this morning for us that we would love those around us that we would pray for the hurting for the broken to meet the needs of those who are in need God we ask that you would use us use each one of us that you would send us God wear your hands and feet in Jesus name we pray amen you guys can take a seat Good morning, everybody. I'm Julie. I am the children's ministry director and ministry assistant here at Sunrise Ministries. And I just wanted to say thank you for choosing to worship with us this morning. Um, And a special welcome to any of our new guests, either here in person or online. We would love to get to know you. And you can fill out a new guest form either on our website, which you can get to through a QR code and or at the connect table, or if you're watching online, there will be a comment with a link to our new guest form. And if you fill that out, we'll send you a gift. Um, So we have two events coming up this week that I just wanted to let you guys know about. First, we have Wine and Theology on Tuesday at 7 p.m. This is for women to get together and chat about life and God and get to know each other a little better. It's at Hudsonville Grill at 7 p.m. this Tuesday. 
And then on Saturday, we have our first park play date for all of our families here. If it rains, we'll move it back to the next Saturday. Right now, the forecast doesn't look great, so just keep an eye out on that. But it's just a time to go to Hager Park and hang out with other families and get to know each other and let the kids get the morning wiggles out and maybe make your day a little easier. Um, and then if you'd like to partner with us at Sunrise, we wanted to let you know there are three ways to give. You can give on the app or our website. Those Just find the little button that says give. It's pretty easy, but if you need help, you can find one of us staff and we can help you. Um, not me. Not Dennis. You can find me or Dan or Corey and we can help you figure it out. Or, or, or a teen, yeah. And we have um, boxes in the back of the sanctuary and at the entrance of the church if you would like to just give in person. Um, now is a time of greeting and a time for the kids to head back to their rooms. So watch out, they run out those doors. Um, so yeah, just say hello and get some extra coffee. All right, everybody, let's go ahead and find our seats again. All right, well, thank you so much for being here uh, again this morning. So, by the way of yet another announcement, um, somehow Dan and I failed to communicate to Julie. Uh, there will be no wine and theology. That's not going to be happening for the, for the summer. Um, uh, at least uh, we, will, we will also be, we will be doing pub theology, but there is no wine and theology. So, sorry uh, about that. Um, also, if you have any questions about weather-related things, um, you know, Dan, should I just give out your email and cell phone number or anything like that? Okay, great, yeah. Um, it is really great to have a meteorologist in the church, especially during Michigan winters, <laughs> to be like, hey, Dan, what, what should we do about? And he's like, well, the forecast, the models are showing. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Um, so super thankful uh, that you're here today. Today, we're going to be continuing on our series in uh, Matthew's Gospel. So we took a little bit of a hiatus uh, last week when mom came and joined us and we talked uh, out of John chapter 2, but today we're jumping back into the Sermon on the Mount uh, where Jesus tells his followers uh, one of the most difficult statements uh, probably in all of Scripture. Today, we dive into what I believe is one of the most difficult and sobering passages that Christians have to grapple with in, in, in our modern lives. It's the oft-repeated but seldom embodied words of our Master, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were Thomas Jefferson and I were taking a razor blade to the Bible, I wouldn't cut out the miracle sections. I would cut out this. Because I like the water to wine. Give me, give me more of that. I like the walking on the water. Right? I like the peace be still. I like the, the exorcisms where, where Jesus casts demons out of people. I like the fact where he heals folks of leprosy. I like, I like all those miraculous things. But this one I could honestly do without. Because, folks, I'll, I'll, I'll be straight with you. There are some people that are in this world that are really hard to love. Amen? Amen. But Jesus, Jesus, as he stands on the mountain, 
as he communicates with his followers, as he looks his disciples, as he looks the religious leaders, as he looks the rabble that have come to hear the master teach in the eye, he begins this section of the sermon with some oft-repeated and understood words, but seldom embodied words when he says this, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Now, most of today's message, we're going to be actually unpacking some of these, uh, uh, the context of, of some of these words of Jesus, and then making a few examples before we gather around the Lord's table at the end of our service today. But where would these folks that Jesus is talking to have heard such a thing? Where would they have heard eye for eye, tooth for tooth? Well, the answer is the law of God. Specifically, there are three different places in the Torah where Moses lays down the law and he tells his people that this, this truth, right? The law of retribution, the law of sowing and reaping, the law that if, if you treat people badly, you're going to be treated badly. The, the law of the, if, if, you, if you do the crime, you have to do the time. And so this was very familiar with them because they, were, they understood that it came from, from Torah, but what's also interesting is that, that Jesus goes on and he, he, he says this, but then contrasts it with, but I tell you. And the first thing he contrasts it with is, do not resist an evil person. Literally, Jesus says, this is what you've heard. You've heard that if somebody hits you, you hit them back. Okay, now this is probably going to date me and things like this, but how many of you ever received that instruction as an elementary age student for how you resolved conflict, right? Somebody hits you, what do you do? You hit them back, right? Now, now me, I was much more insidious, right? It was like, if somebody hits me, I'm going to fall to the ground and be like, oh no, I hurt so bad, it's terrible. And then when they turn their back, I'm going to pick up a rock and I'm going to hit them with it. Um, and then I should, <laughs> don't turn your back on your enemies, right? No, that's, but Jesus is saying, this is what you've heard. What, well, here's what's interesting, folks, is even if we go back to the law, this idea of retribution, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, was never how the law was to be practiced. It wasn't strictly about holding the code that if somebody pokes you in the eye and your eye swells up, that you get to poke them in the eye and make their eye swell up. No. Even in Deuteronomy and in Leviticus, and especially in the book of Exodus, the writer uh, Moses goes on to say, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and this is how this looks. And he gives an entire chapter of case law of how you mediate this eye for eye, tooth for tooth, law of retribution in a, now hang with me, in a redemptive and not strictly a retributive way. You see, the law from the very beginning was to be redemptive, not simply retributive. And Jesus, I believe, is calling people back to the spirit of that when he looks and he says, now here's how this works. Here's how the eye for eye and tooth for tooth really is supposed to work. When someone becomes hostile towards you, when someone stands up against you, when someone is violent towards you, do not resist. Do not be hostile toward that person. Even when the person is evil. This is really interesting because this is the same word that's used of the evil one. 
When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, and he says, pray that you would be delivered from the evil one, even when a person has nefarious intent, even when a person is standing directly in the path of the opposer and the accuser, the great and evil Satan of old, even when they are doing Satan's work. Don't be hostile toward that person. I'm two minutes into the sermon and I'm meddling already. Now I know what you're thinking. Many of you are probably thinking there, and the first thing that comes to your mind is, yes, but. Yes, but, Dennis. But what if they really deserve it? But what if Adolf Hitler and Osama bin Laden break into my house and are trying to abduct my grandmother? Can we set aside the yes, but for just a minute and take seriously Jesus' words? He goes on to give some more examples, and he says this. He says, this is what this looks like, right? Don't be hostile toward an evil person, right? So if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go, two, go, two, go with them two miles, these three rapid-fire statements are firmly implanted in the culture of Jesus' day. He's in a culture where the predominantly right-handed people, right? So Jesus' culture is predominantly right-handed people. And the fact that he's talking about slapping someone on the right cheek, right? So right hand, right cheek. If you're right-handed and you're going to slap someone on the right cheek, you're either going to use your left hand or you're going to backhand them. Jesus is using an idiom in his, in his day and in his age that says, if someone disrespects you so much that they slap you with the back of their hand, a uh, 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 an act of disrespect, an act of dishonor, the response to that hostility, to the response to that evil for the follower of Jesus, for the kingdom person, isn't to fall to the ground and say, oh, it hurts so bad, it's terrible, and then when they turn around, hit them with a rock. <laughs> That's what Dennis would do. <laughs> right? The response to that disrespect is to offer the other cheek as well. Because Jesus isn't just talking about the physical pain here. What he's talking about is that if someone disrespects you, if someone dishonors you, if someone tries to shame you, if someone tries to belittle you, and maybe one of the things he's, he's talking about or getting at is the fact that when we know who we are in Christ, when we know who we are as kingdom citizens, there should not be anything that another human being can do that can disrespect or can dishonor us to the point to where we lose control of ourselves and we return evil for evil. Man, I wish Jesus would leave us alone. If anyone sues you, he goes on to say. And we probably should, be, should understand this as if anyone were to take you to court to try and take your shirt. See, the tunic was sort of the undergarment. It was like the, the shirt that you would wear um, Right? So if anyone comes and they're like, hey man, I like that black shirt that has a fair amount of cat hair on it, that's probably a little bit sweaty because you wore it on a pool deck. So, okay, quick aside, I'm only wearing this today. You're thinking, oh, he wore it today because, right, undergarment, outer garment? No, no, I, I didn't wear it strictly for a sermon illustration. I wore it because um, I've had to wear it twice this week already, and I'm like, I might as well wear it one more time before I get it cleaned. Um, <laughs> Right? 
I am that guy, Frank. I'm that guy, brother. I'm like, I got one more. I got one more out of this. But it does serve as an illustration, right? So somebody comes, and they're like, hey, Dennis, I want that shirt, and they're going to sue me to take my shirt. Jesus doesn't say, you know, will you hire the, the best lawyer that you can in order to resist this person? No, no, no. It's because it's, right, it's a thing. It's a thing. And you, you give them the thing, but you just don't just give them the thing that they want. You give them more than what they want. You give them your outer garment as well. You, you give them not just your shirt, but your, your coat. This is actually mirrors a statement that Jesus makes elsewhere in the Gospels where he's talking about when people do evil to you that you heap coals of fire on, your, on their head by, by treating them with kindness, right? And I almost always would read that in the past. It's like, yeah, get him, right? I'm going to be nice to him, so God's going to be extra mean to him in hell, right? That's kind of how I, I thought about this. Um, so this is, this is confession today, right? This is just, I'm just pouring out my heart to you guys. Um, but, but again, that's an idiomatic phrase. That's an idiomatic statement. To pour, to heap fire on somebody's head in Jesus' day wasn't a curse. It was a blessing, right? Because fire was life. And it was actually to share your life-giving substance, your fire with this person. And Jesus is saying the same thing. If somebody wants to take from you, then give more than they want. Here's the, the third illustration that he, he gives here is, is quite troubling, um, where he talks about the going, someone wants you to go one mile with them to go two, um, and, and folks, this isn't talking about, so this is not talking to, to, to chubby people like me, who are like, man, walking a mile, please, I'm not going to do that. No, he's, he's actually referring to Roman conscription. You see, in Jesus' day, because Israel was an occupied land, Roman soldiers had the right to go up and to grab anybody off the street and to grab them and say, hey, you by law have to carry my effects and my gear for one mile. Now, this was the thing. Uh, Even in Roman society, they couldn't compel you to go one step further than one mile, but they could make you carry their effects or the effects of someone that was under their care for up to one mile. And Jesus is speaking to people who are living in a, in a society, who are living in a time where there is a foreign power that's come in and that's taken over, that's oppressing them, that's treating them evilly, that they are longing for the Messiah to come and to overthrow. And Jesus, who they think may be this Messiah, comes and says, hey, when a Roman soldier comes up to you and he hands you his stuff and he says, you walk and carry my burden for a mile. Don't do it for one. Do it for two. We've seen this happen in Scripture. The day that Jesus dies, he's carrying his cross, beaten and mocked by the soldiers. And laboring under the weight of that cross beam, Jesus staggers and he stumbles. And the soldier looks into the crowd. And he sees a man from Cyrene named Simon. And he says, get over here. Get over here. And the words of Jesus are, are put into practice by this 
Cyrenian named Simon who, who comes and who through conscription picks up the cross of the Savior and walks and carries it. I wonder, I wonder if there's something here for us to learn. You guys, when Jesus is talking about going the extra mile, I wonder if he's talking about us taking up our cross and following him. I wonder if he's, he's, he's talking to us. I, I, I wonder if there's something here that, that we can learn because, because the reality is, folks, if, if, if you're like me, I struggle sometimes to go to the extra mile. I struggle sometimes to cultivate a heart of generosity. I struggle sometimes to, to show kindness to those who disrespect me or those who attempt to shame me or those who attempt to take things from me. I, I, I struggle because the reality is, is that I try to treat people with kindness and fairness and when they don't reciprocate, it makes me mad. Jesus goes on and he, he says this. It's sort of the last movement of this, the last section of this first movement of retribution. But he says, give to the one who asked you and do not turn away the one who wants to borrow from you. So, so Jesus is saying something here and he's not saying something here. I, I think that the thing he's saying that we need to understand is that for those of us who name the name of Christ, who call ourselves kingdom citizens, we are called to cultivate a heart of generosity so that we willingly give without partiality. One of the greatest examples of this in my life was my grandfather. My grandfather, um, um, when I was a boy, uh, built a, a garage. It was sort of a standalone garage and it had a, a, a lift in it and it had an engine hoist and it had all these kinds of things. And at the time of my grandfather's uh, death, we sat down as a family and we started to talk about things. And one of the things that came up from my uncle Gary was he said, you know, I wonder, he said, I wonder, let's, I, nobody can know, but I wonder how many tens of thousands of dollars of tools walked out of your grandfather's garage over the years. And you see, here was the thing. When you walked into the garage, you never knew who was going to be in there. Because my grandfather labored under this, right, the old maximum of a friend in need is a friend indeed. Right? And so he would give without thought. My grandfather didn't loan tools to people. Because he knew that even the best of us, sometimes when we were loaned something, failed to give it back. So Jesus is saying here, cultivate a heart of generosity. Here's, here's what he's not saying, and this is from St. Augustine. This isn't for me. He's saying give to everyone that asks. Don't give everything to any, everyone who asks. Jesus isn't saying that we have to give everything, but the heart of generosity is what should mark us. Movement two, and this is where... It really gets tough because Jesus is not only saying, you've heard it said, but I tell you. He, he goes on in this passage of Scripture and says, well, you, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. Love your neighbor. Again, coming from the Torah, hate your enemies. Not, ironically, in the Torah, but it's kind of easy to see where people could get there given the, the, the story of ancient Israel. But I tell you, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Jesus looks at the crowd and 
And again, he calls back to Torah, but not just to Torah. He calls back to... Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and they'll say, we know the Bible says, and they'll say something and you know it's not in the Bible? <laughs> right? But they, they believe that it is with all their heart. This happened to me a few months ago, right? And I'm, there's all this conflict in me. And I'm like, I'm not this person's pastor. This person isn't asking me for my opinion, right? And, I think this is what is happening is Jesus is confronting not just people's false beliefs about what it means to love their their neighbors. He's confronting something, an adjacent truth that has become elevated to uh, uh, on par with being biblical truth, but really isn't actually in there. And he goes on and he says, but I tell you, plural, all y'all, right? But I'm telling all y'all. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For it's Jesus, it's God, it's the Holy Trinity, that causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The call here to enemy love, folks, is clearly rooted in our identity as children of God. I think Jesus knows that he's calling us, he's calling his followers to do something that is completely impossible in our own strength. I think that he knows that we're all going to be conflicted when we hear this because, well, the reality is, friends, is that Jesus isn't giving us a strategy for how to deal with evil people. He's giving us, he's extending to us a call for how we live as kingdom citizens. We look like our father when we do this. Now here's where it gets really messy. Because not everybody's, if everybody played by these rules... We'd be fine. But not everybody does, and not everybody will. If you're like me, you you find yourselves probably from time to time asking questions like, why do good things happen to bad people? But really, I don't think that's the question that, that gets at the heart of the issue, and it certainly doesn't get at the heart of the issue of what Jesus is talking about about here because he's calling his followers to do something that is so counterintuitive that so could put us in harm's way and in the crosshairs of people that are evil and have nefarious intent. Because the reality is, yes, that question of why do good things, or why do good things happen to bad people um, are, are true, but, 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 it, but it arises out of the reality that sometimes it's not the good folks that get ahead. It's the greedy. And it's the evil. And Jesus isn't giving us a strategy to get ahead. He's telling us how we look like our Father. We look like our Father when we extend grace. Part of our little statement, we... We exist as sunrise ministry to see the world transformed by God's love and grace. Ah, God's common grace 
How do we love our enemies? We only love our enemies by embodying the love of the Father. Why? Because he causes sun to shine and rain to fall on those who love him and on those who do not. And in an agrarian society, sun and rain are everything. Jesus goes on to give an example. It says, if you just love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that? Folks, you've heard me say this before, and you'll probably hear me say it 100,000 more times if, if the Lord tarries. It's that it's time for the church of Jesus Christ, at least in our culture and in our space, to, stop it, to, to start expecting less of the world and more of ourselves. It's time for us to stop expecting people who don't know Christ to act right and do right and give ourselves, giving ourselves a pass when we don't. Right? We are the ones that have the Holy Spirit. Right? What, what good is it if you just do the bare minimum? Now you see, see, love of the Father is communicated when we go the second mile, when we cultivate a heart of generosity, when we, we give to those who are seeking to take, when we endure shame and persecution. Now, before we move on, I just want to make one little caveat here. This in no way alleviates us from the responsibility of standing in harm's way for those who are experiencing persecution. Do you hear me? This in no way alleviates me of the responsibility of standing in harm's way of those who are experiencing abuse, or struggle, or neglect, or evil treatment. You see, here's, here, here's the funny thing. is so often, right, these, this passage is used, right, by people like me and pastors, right, will we'll somehow with a straight face look women who find themselves in a domestic, uh, 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 in an abusive marriage, and, and they'll look at them and say, well, you just need to pray more, and you just need, no. 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 The man who's looking them in the face... <laughs> I almost said grow a pair, and I, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> needs to man up, right? Needs to show love, needs to show grace, and needs to do what Jesus did and stand in harm's way for the least of these. This is not a call to beat other people over the head with. It's a call for me to look in the mirror and say, what is the disposition that I am displaying? It's not about me standing by as somebody runs up on the street and mugs Stacy and takes her purse. It's my disposition for what happens when people come at me with hostility. Because see, here's, here's, what, here's what Jesus did, you guys. Jesus stood in harm's way. Jesus suffered and died. Jesus experienced trauma for his own sake 
for the sake of others. Jesus embodied this passage not for his own sake, but for the sake of you and me. For love. It it ends with this call. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. (laughs) I think that this... uh, the way this is translated is it's really difficult for us because the, the word here, teleos, that's translated perfect, really means, it has a, a breadth of meaning, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean sinless the way we think of it. it. It means that, but it also means all grown up. It means mature. It means complete. Jesus ends this part of his teaching as the worship team comes to get our final song and before we come to to take the Lord's Supper. Jesus ends his teaching here by saying, "This this is the call. That we can only do this. We can only love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us when we embody the Father in heaven. when we surrender to his will and his way. As I was thinking through this uh, this week, I thought, okay, how, how would I translate this and maybe put it in, in sort of our vernacular? And I think this is a, this is a good lead-in to gathering around the table. Um, but, but I think that this is, this is a way that we, we could phrase it, is that when Jesus looks at his, his listeners and maybe what he would say to us as, as we come to this passage is, is that, but y'all must be grown up, but y'all must grow up to be just like your father. Lord, how do we do the impossible? Well, maybe the first thing is just to realize, folks, it is impossible in our own strength and we will fail and we will struggle and will not get it right all the time. But the further we get down the road and the more we become acquainted with what it means to be God's kind of person, the more we get comfortable in our own skin as being sons and daughters of the Most High God, the more we'll be able to come to this place so people will look at us and they'll be like, boy, that person looks an awful lot like Jesus. So we'll ask the elders to come. and um, So if we could have three on this side and three on this side. and uh, Julie, would you come as well to, to, to help serve? Yeah. Noah, would you also over here? Joe, if you could be here. So the last couple of weeks have been really uh, interesting in, in, our, in our family and in our world. Um, <laughs> so over the last eight days, nine days, we've, uh, we've had a college graduation and we've had mom and dad up and we've had senior night at the pool and we've had all kinds of things. And it, uh, it reminds me of who's here and who's not here. Right, as we were taking pictures outside of the Van Andel, it reminded me of the day that Amy and I graduated and, and how there were people that were there. 
people that are no longer here were there. Right? And it reminded me of how um, how short the time is. As I was looking at the pictures, it was it was kind of funny because I I just kind of laughed at how much my brother looks like my dad and how much I look like mom and how this resemblance, right, this family resemblance gets carried down. And the things that, that are important and the things that, that matter, they, they seem to, to grip us in those moments. Right, the fact that Saturday that, that almost all the people that we call family were able to gather around one table in our little house over on Englehurst Drive and we, we sat there and it mattered. And I looked around the table and I was thankful for the fact that there was a godly heritage that had been handed down. You know, and I don't think any grown man wants to be told they look like their mother. But as you can all attest. But maybe this morning, what I want us to remember is we gather around this table as a remembrance of the fact that, right, so, so we've heard this, this message from Jesus, and he said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And, and maybe some of us are sitting there, we're like, okay, Dennis, but I just, man, I don't know how to do that. How in the world can I do the impossible? And the only way to do it is to remember that you can't do it in your own strength, but you are a son of the one who showed us how it's done. You are a daughter of the one who showed us how it's done. And that in those moments when you love the unlovely, in those moments where you endure shame for the sake of the one who is actually perpetuating the hostility, in those moments where you actually look like your Father in heaven, that He looks at you the way that you look at the ones that are beloved in your life. You see that he looks at you through the eyes of the Father, that you are welcomed. And that's one of the things that today reminds us of. We gather around the table because we've been invited. On the night the Lord Jesus was betrayed, the scripture says he took bread and he broke it. And for giving thanks, he extended it to his disciples and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. It was a foreshadowing. It was a foreshadowing, but it was also an illustration of exactly what he was talking about. This is how one loves their enemies. This is the grace of God extended, not in a common way, but in a specific and a salvific way. And after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is now the cup, my blood, the new covenant that is shed for you. The Old Testament tells us the law, the Torah says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That Jesus, in that moment, he became sacrifice. He became priest so that you and I might have access to the Holy of Holies. As the Apostle Paul extends this invitation to the church of Corinth, he basically says, come, and, and, and as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you declare the Lord's death until he comes. And so this morning, we gather around the table as those who have been invited, 
who have been invited to love as our Father loves. Because He has loved us. So as we come, this is number one, a fresh declaration of Jesus' Lordship in your life. Not that you're perfect, but that you're forgiven and you're seeking to follow Him. And number two, it's a proclamation that He is coming again. Each of you are invited to come. The, the elders will serve you and they will extend the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. The only thing that will stop them or, or halt them in their duties is that if you tell them you are in need of prayer and they will immediately do that. Gina, we're going to ask you to pray if you would and then we'll hand out the elements and then as the worship team comes we would ask you to come forward and to receive the Lord's Supper. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you are a God that comes near to us. As we reflect on your life and your death, um, we're struck by just that you didn't stay from afar, but you entered into this world. This world that we've already talked about is full of chaos. Uh, this world where uh, even this morning, people I've talked to are stretched to places where they feel like it's beyond them. And God, we just thank you so much that, uh, that in your brokenness, we can be made whole. Yes. That in our brokenness, um, that we can be made whole physically emotionally, spiritually, in every way, God. And just thank you so much for your love, um, that, that in the ways that we feel like we can't go on, um, the ways that we feel like we don't have enough love to give, that you are there, that your love fills us and overflows. And we thank you so much for showing us the way to live, the way to... Um, sacrifice the way to stretch and to the place of being um, poured out and broken. And Lord, may we do that for others in our lives as well. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just as a reminder, there is also for the gluten intolerant among us some bread up here at the table. Dan, as we sing, come to the table. to recognize the person I was before I encountered Christ I don't walk like I used to I don't talk like I used to washed from the inside I've been washed from the inside out the blood could have only been the blood hallelujah hallelujah i know it was the blood could have only been the 
It's freely given, let me tell you, it's only by the blood. Does anybody want to be holy, righteous, purified, and spotless? Let me tell you, it's only by the blood. Does anybody want to be holy, worthy, justified, really living? Let me tell you. It's only by the blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's only by the blood. Could have only been the blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know it was the blood. Could have only been. Could have only been the blood What can I say? Thank you is not enough Jesus, your grace Your mercy poured out for us I will love you forever here on earth into heaven I've been washed from the inside I've been washed from the inside out Washed from the inside out generous your blood poured out for us how precious how generous we remember you paid it in full you paid it in blood you paid it for us. 
Jesus. So as we go from here today, there's, there's a lot going on. I know that several of us have to get to Guardians of the Galaxy later on this afternoon. And um, there's a partnership class that's going on that Pastor Dan is going to be leading. And there's several other conversations that are going to be taking place. But maybe one final thought as we, we go. So, so a couple things. Uh, please don't forget, um, I've forgotten to mention this, and Julie mentioned it a little bit earlier, but there's an opportunity to worship by giving in the back at those wonderful brand new boxes that Randy has made for us. Um, and you might notice that the cross on the boxes match the new cross in the foyer. Um, if, you don't, if you get a chance, look, look at that thing. It's, it's pretty impressive. But one of the things that we're going to be doing as, as part of our new rhythm um, at sunrise is every time we take the Lord's Supper, there's, there's actually a little bucket that's back there beside the giving. And this isn't meant for your regular giving. It's meant for um, the fact that, well, things come up in our church family, that there are needs that we call benevolence. And every time we take the Lord's table, we're going to to be making the offer for us to, to give to those who find themselves in need. So today as you, you give, there's a little silver bucket that's back there beside the, uh, the offering box, and you can place your benevolent gifts in that. So as we go from this place, with this call to love one's enemies, remember that it's not a transaction simply to be good to those who are good to you, but it's an act of grace that gives good gifts regardless of the recipient's ability to pay you back. So as God gives rain and sun to the just and the unjust, may each of us love well those that God has placed in our path for his honor, for his glory, and for his namesake. Go in his peace. You're dismissed. <laughs>